Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech and Future Tech Health podcast. And my guest is Ronald M. Bazaar. He's the author of Sleep Secrets, How to Fall Asleep Fast. So, Ronald, I appreciate you being here. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Sleep's a big issue yeah. for a lot of people. That's why I wrote the book. Yeah, well, tell me. I'm, I'm sure you've had some, well, of course, you've had personal experience with sleep, but hopefully it's been uh, more good than bad. But uh, what led you to, to write about the subject? Well, it's curious. Um, looking back, I remember now as a kid, I used to have sleep problems falling asleep. And and I talked to my mom, who was all, she was a night owl all the time. So whenever I was have a problem sleeping, she was always awake in the living room reading. <laughs> so uh, she actually gave me very tiny amounts of uh, sleeping pills to help in those days. Then jump forward, oh, good two or three decades. And I ended up being in the sleep business, as I call it, or sleep industry. Um, we manufactured a lot of sleep products, natural sleep products, and I became quite expert in the type of materials that would impact the quality of one's sleep. And I realized a lot of people were sleeping, for instance, on foam mattresses. They were all the rage back then, or water beds. And the problem with those is that it doesn't allow the body to breathe properly. So many people would come into our retail stores and I used to hang out in them rather than just in our manufacturing facility because I wanted to continuously learn from our customers. And they'd come in, some of them, and they'd complain that, you know, they just can't fall asleep and they're having problems. And I'd ask them, what kind of mattress are you sleeping on? And a lot of them would say, we're sleeping on foam. So what we know today, of course, is that the body is in emits an electromagnetic field, and you start interfering with that field, um, which unnatural fibers can do, and it's going to impact your sleep, for instance. That's why a lot of people feel very comfortable wearing cotton clothing, because it breathes, it's natural, it doesn't block your electromagnetic field. So anyway, from uh, my experience in the sleep industry, uh, and over the years, my just interest in the subject, I started collecting lots and lots of articles and bookmarking websites, buying books and so on. One of the things I realized in the later years was there were some great sleep doctors out there, but many of them would approach the subject of sleep from their particular expertise or bent. Some of them would approach it from a behavioral science point of view, that you know, a cognitive dissonance point of view, which could be valid for many many of their patients and obviously it, it worked problem being that may not be the problem for someone it could simply be as simple as the type of pillow they're using or the type of mattress they're on or the type of bedding they use so uh, i took all this material that i had collected and my years of experience in the sleep industry and manufacturing and selling these products and i decided i'd put a book together and i'd make it a comp a compendium a, a kind of a resource guide for everything that I could find that made good sense about sleep. So you can go to this thing and and you'd quickly, to my book, and you would quickly realize that 
yeah, yeah, I know that, I know that. Oh, I didn't realize that could be impacting my sleep. So you will find such a wide range of topics in the book that it's guaranteed that you're going to find the issue or issues that are impacting your sleep. So that's kind so of let's talk about a Yeah, let's talk about a few unusual ones. You mentioned foam interfering with your body's electromagnetic fields. What, uh, what are some other materials that do that and which materials don't? And what's the effect when someone sleeps on uh, interfering versus non-interfering material? Well, from a technical point of view, if, if you could look at the, the brain waves, which I haven't done, but I am sure you would see differences. They're one of the biggest issues today, of course, is electromagnetic fields and the radiation from our devices. And we're exposed to an order of magnitude of in the billions of times greater than people were exposed to uh, a few centuries ago in terms of the amount of electromagnetic radiation that's in our daily and, and nightly lives. And there's more and more research that claims that it's impacting our health and our sleep. Of course, the industry would claim that, oh no, there's studies that prove that there's no problem and that they're in compliance with the regulations. The problem with the regulations that were made, they were made a long time ago, way before the amount of usage of cell phones has um, increased so dramatically, and our exposure to uh, Wi-Fi radiation as well. And they looked at it only from the point of view of heat um, impact from the radiation, which is quite minimal in a sense, but that's not the biggest danger. The danger is the effect on at the cellular level, in the, the mitochondria of the of our cells. And that's where there's so many studies now showing the impact that electromagnetic radiation is having on our health. And so a lot of people will do foolish things like have their cell phone on, um, their smartphone on, right beside them in the bed when they're going to sleep in case they miss a call or something. Um, well, that's one of the worst things you can do. It's going to interrupt your sleep. Um, the, the radiation is going to have an impact. And I guess there's a lot of people who take some of these studies with a grain of salt, but I know there are people who can walk into a room, and if people have got cell phones on, um, they can feel the radiation. Now, these are hypersensitive people. It doesn't mean that other people are not um, experiencing the effects of this radiation. They just may not be aware of them, and it may take longer for them to actually manifest symptoms. It's a huge issue. It's, uh, I mean, if you read the fine print on your, your Apple uh, smartphone, it says keep the phone away from your head by at least uh, a yeah. centimeter or two. Holding it against your head is it's in very fine print, but you can find it there. And the reason they put it there is because of the risks. A very interesting okay. fact is that uh, Lloyd's of London and insurance companies will not insure, will not insure um, manufacturers of, of phones against liability in case of uh, health complaints down the road. They know it's a smoking gun and they don't want anything to do with it. So wow, people, if you're if you've got your smartphone on or your computer and your you're, you've got those on at night um, close to your bed and, um, and the Wi-Fi radiation emitted from your, your um, router and your, your, um, smart, your smart electrical re reader, these things all have an impact on your, 
sleep. One of okay. the biggest ones, too, apart from that, is, is light. Light, our, our management of light is terrible. Um, of course, well, let's, well, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that in one second. But um, I wanted to ask you first, uh, the title of your book is How to Fall Asleep Faster. Yeah. So do you see that as like, you know, the number one problem is the onset with sleep latency or whatever they call it, the time it takes you to fall asleep? And, you know, is that why you titled the book that or is that... Uh, just the title you chose. Like, you know, let's let's talk about how long it takes someone to fall asleep and what modulates that. Well, everybody's different, of course, and and but many people are taking far too long to fall asleep. I mean, if if you're a good sleeper, you should fall asleep within five or ten minutes, no problem. Um, I mean, it used to take me, you know, an hour to fall asleep. Now I can fall asleep in five minutes, and it's because I've. I've learned many, many different tricks, and I pay attention to it because sleep is so important to your overall health. So, um, okay. So, what, what, uh, you know, if someone takes like an hour or two hours to fall asleep, um, what can they do? What are some things they should look at to help get that time down? Well, the first thing would be, as I say, turn off your devices at least an hour before bed. Um, secondly, learn about the effects of light on your release of melatonin. Melatonin is the sleep hormone that releases um, in the evening and at nighttime, and it's what allows us to fall asleep and stay asleep. Serotonin, the wake hormone, is what gives us the boost in the morning and gets us going for the day, makes us feel good. So the trigger for serotonin is light. So the more light you have, the more you're going to feel more awake and so on. That's why in winter, when daylight is so diminished in the more northerly latitudes, um, we feel sleep-deprived and because we're not getting as much release of serotonin from light. And an interesting thing about the release of serotonin, the more that is released, especially in the morning period, the more melatonin will then be released at night. So here we are. We have... Um, uh, electricity, which is a wonderful boon for us. We have our light blaring at night in full, you know, full wattage, bright and everything. We're watching TV, we're watching our screens, and not only is it bright and full of light, it also has the wrong kind of light at night, which is blue light. Blue light is, is the equivalent of outside daylight. So when you're watching a screen with blue light on it, in the evening at night, it's triggering serotonin, keeping you from releasing the melatonin that's going to make you sleepy and help you fall asleep. So light management is the most crucial thing to sleeping properly. And there's a lot of tricks right, on so. how to do that properly, of course. As they say, let's, let's take the average office. There's a measure of light intensity called lumens. So if you're in a well-lit office, you're talking maybe 400 to 500, a really bright office, maybe 600 um, lumens of light. Um, dimmer light at home in the evening could be maybe two to 400 lumens. Um, a, a sunny day, a, a cloudy day outside would be maybe 1,000. A sunny day would be maybe 10,000 lumens. And at high noon on a perfectly clear sunny day, um, with the sun overhead at noon would be maybe a hundred thousand. So, so if you're outside and you're getting those the, absorbing that brightness into your pineal gland, it's definitely going to have a wonderful impact for your release of melatonin. 
when it's sleep time. But if you're at home and you've got your screens on and your light going um, and the blue light from them, which is the worst kind at night, you're going to impact it. So what I do, I, I try to turn off more and more of my lights at night. I don't use the, the modern kind of light bulbs, which are blue light emitting. Um, I use the old incandescent bulbs. They, yes, they use more electricity, but I don't have as many lights on, but they're in the yellow um, side of the equation rather than the blue um, spectrum. So in the olden days before electricity, of course, people had to go to bed much earlier because all they had was candlelight and firelight. <laughs> and those, the colors of those rays were yellow and orange and red. So I also, on my bed side lamp, I have a 60-watt um, red light bulb so I can read by it if I want or what have you. But that red light is not stimulating um, serotonin. It's stimulating melatonin. So it's real easy to fall asleep if you manage light. Plus, of course, a lot of us um, have light coming in from our windows and so on. And even though I live in the country um, and I don't have that kind of light, there's still light that comes in from, from you know, stars and this and that. And so I wear a sleep mask. So it's totally black. So the blacker your light is, the better you're going to sleep. The easier it's going to be to fall asleep. Right. So that's the number one thing, sleep management. What do you do if uh, you have to get up and pee in the middle of the night? Or, you know, if you need to get up, you don't want to, like, break your toe on the bed or something will fall down. So sure, what about for night lights? Any recommendations you can there? Get, you can get red night lights, the same thing. You just change change over to LED, to red. Um, in the bathroom, if you can have a dim switch, um, or or uh, I often will, if I have to do that, I'll carry a, a red flashlight. I'll put turn my light on, the red light, but the red is not going to keep you awake, so you'll be able to fall back to sleep. And you can see just as well with a red light on, yes, it changes the, the look of the light, but it's not going to be dangerous in terms of that you can't see. You can see fine. You can read fine by it. No problem. The other thing that is a really simple solution that you can try right now, even before you implement all these, wear sunglasses at home in the evening. Now, the best kind of sunglasses are blue-blocking sunglasses. They block they block the blue light, and they make everything um, much cheerier looking, but it's blocking the blue rays. In fact, I have my original player, pair of blue blockers, they were called, Joe Sugarman in the 70s, mid-70s, uh, invented these kind of sunglasses, and uh, they were really popular. I knew him and gave me a pair, and so I've had them ever since. So I wear those in the evening. That's cool. So when I'm watching TV, um, I'm, you know, I'm mitigating that light. On your computer um, and on your smartphones and so on, there's either settings on them that you can change the color of the light at, at sunset, um, or there's a simple um, software you can download for free called F.Lux. F.Lux. You can find it in a second and you can download it. And there's the settings, it'll find your your latitude and uh, it will and your location and it will adjust the light settings on your computer according to where you live and of course you can tweak that you can even make it darker or what have you uh, as you wish but that's a great setting all my devices have those set on them mm, excellent okay um any uh really unexpected things you've learned that most people you know, they can't say, oh, that's common sense. You know, really unusual things or, you know, super well, important things you learned about sleep. 
how you breathe has a huge impact on how well you're going to sleep. Most people breathe, unfortunately, a lot of the time through their mouths, um, which is a learned type of breathing. And mouth breathing, it sounds so simple, but mouth breathing is a learned response. So an infant, if they get a cold, they'll struggle and struggle to breathe and breathe because they won't open their mouth. They don't know about opening their mouth to breathe through their mouth. They're going to continue to try to breathe through their nose. But we learn very quickly, unfortunately, to, to breathe through our mouth. Um, and the problem with that is it affects the quality of the oxygen. Our noses are there for a reason. Our mouths are for eating. Our noses are for breathing. When you don't breathe through your nose, you're breathing much more shallow, higher up in you know chest breathing rather than abdomen breathing. And abdomen breathing relaxes you. Chest breathing, and especially rapid breathing, if you're exercising and you're breathing quickly, running like, <laughs> like, like that when you're running, which a lot of people right. do, um, you're, you're triggering the fight and flight response, which is a wonderful thing to trigger if a saber-toothed tiger is chasing you. But for normal times, you don't want to trigger that, which is actually forcing adrenaline through your body. So when you're breathing through your nose, not through your mouth, um, it's unnatural, and it's not relaxing you. So learning how to breathe through your nose will relax your body, and and it will deepen your breathing and quiet your breathing. Your breathing should be very quiet, very slow, to slower your breathing. So here's a tip for your listeners. It's called the control pause breathing. This was um, invented in years, decades ago in Russia, um, in fact, they train athletes there for the Olympics how to breathe properly through their noses rather than through their mouth. But the, the breathing, the control pause breath is where, so you're breathing normally right now. On your out breath, stop breathing, hold your breath. In fact, pinch your nose and um, don't breathe. And see how long it takes before you get to the point where you feel like it would be good to breathe. You get that little urge to breathe. This is not to hold your breath as long as you can. It's till you get that first urge to want to breathe. So that gap of time is a measure of the, basically what they say, the doctors in Russia say that measure is a, is a measure of the quality of your health. So if someone who's very healthy should be able to do that for maybe 40 seconds relaxed not holding your breath as long as you can, just till you get that urge. 25 seconds is good, but needs improvement. 15 seconds is getting to be pretty poor, and 10 seconds is a sign of poor health. So what they suggest doing is learning how to breathe properly. And there's you know a whole section in my book all about breathing and breathing techniques for sleeping and, and, and learning to breathe in and out only through your nose all day, whether you're exercising or not. If you find it too hard, like to walk quickly or to run, breathing through your nose, then you're going too fast. In the initial phases, you want to stop, catch your breath through your nose, and always stick with that breath. There's, so, your, um, so your body gets used to it and learns to uh, breathe through your nose more often, right? Absolutely, and it will help those who are snorers. Then, we, you know, there's stuff in my book about pillows and... and, and um, there's all kinds of pillows on the market. The best one, in my opinion, we used to manufacture them, are, the, are traditional buckwheat hull pillows. Buckwheat hulls are little concave shells 
that um, when you have thousands of them in the pillow and you press on them, they'll hold their shape. And the moment you release and move them, you can change the shape. So I'm, so you're, it's the back of your neck is what should be supported. Let's say you're sleeping on your back. It's the back of your neck, the small of your neck that wants to be supported, not the head. The head can lie flat back. It's that curve that you want to have supported. So it's really easy with that type of pillow. And the same thing when you're sleeping on the side, you can do that. That's a wonderful pillow. I've had mine for 20 years. And it's still good. Oh, wow. Cool. So, uh, you Love know, bedding, the type of sheets you're on. You don't want to be on, on satin polyester sheets. They're, again, they're just going to make you feel clammy and uncomfortable. Thing. If you wear pajamas, um, you don't want to wear synthetic pajamas. There's a reason that natural fibers are just more comfortable when they breathe and they allow your body to relax more. So, um, yeah, there's well, a lot um, of device, high-tech devices that are coming out to help monitor your sleep quality and, you know, what, how long you're in the different sleep stages and, and, and different... Yeah, that's techniques. what I was going to ask you. What's your opinion of the sleep coaches and the aura ring and the sleep monitoring stuff? What do you think? you think that'll help people or do you think they're looking at the wrong place for answers? Well, I, th- I think the other things are the basics of some of which we've already talked about are, are the foundations. You've got to have those things in place well before you even want to attempt those. The problem with some of these is that they require that your Wi-Fi to be connected. So, the, so the, the device, your smartphone, is not in airplane mode. If it's in airplane mode, then it's different. It's not, you know, you're not picking up the, uh, the electromagnetic radiation that's going to interfere with your... So any 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 device that requires being connected to through the app to to the internet, I would say forget about it. Don't even try it. Um, if it if it is in airplane mode, then perhaps as, if you've done everything else, um, it may be helpful. Yeah, I've heard of um, you know some people turning off their router when they go to sleep at night, and obviously you know turning off your phone and getting it far away from you or far better than having it in the bed and having yeah. it turned on. So it makes yeah. a lot of sense. Oh, yeah. I, well, I, I turn off my router at night. <laughs> Definitely I do that. You know, whenever we you have a power failure, I don't know, you know, I live on an island, so it happens fairly frequently. But everything just mm. becomes so still and so quiet and yep. so yep. serene. You can tell such a huge difference our electronics have on us. So if you're not, uh, monitor, you know, turn off your Wi-Fi if you can or get it as far away as you can from, from your bedroom or, you know, don't even below you is no good. It'll go right through, the, right through the ceiling. You know, the distance from your Wi-Fi is really important. I mean, that's a whole, whole huge subject I could get into is on electromagnetic radiation. But the basics is, is, of that is, like, I'm talking right now on a portable phone. It's in speaker mode, so I'm holding it right now a foot away from my face rather than having it on normal mode tight against my ear. Um, it's also got an eco mode setting, so when it's not, so, so when it's in the base station or whatever, it's not emitting the radiation because it's, it's, um, it's at home. So, well, quick question. Um, yeah. You know, you said you're, you live on an island and you live in the country and all that. You know, what if you take someone that lives in a city and they live in an apartment building or, you know, even they live in a house and 
they say, all right, I want to reduce the electromagnetic radiation. They turn off all their stuff, you know, at night. But all their neighbors have Wi-Fi on. And there's signals going all through them and around them because maybe they're in a city or something. Is there any yeah. clothing they could wear or bedding that blocks um, electromagnetic radiation without impacting the person adversely themselves? Yes, there's a lot of um, devices that can help. There's a, there are there's a, what's called a Faraday cage. It's um, you know they use this in spaceships, I believe, to protect from electromagnetic radiation. So, for instance, uh, I I have a, a simple little pouch that I put my my smartphone in that has a nano silver lining. So it's a very thin woven into the fabric on one side. So when I put this in the sleeve and hold and put the sleeve in my pocket, for instance, or however I'm carrying it, the back side of that, um, the radiation is blocked by the, the, um, that material. It still picks up the signal from out there, but it's not going to um, penetrate through the blocking material. So um, that's a simple So is there trick. such thing as like a, a Faraday blanket? Yes, or, there's, there's, or sheets or something like that. Yeah, there's all kinds of materials, and um, I've got links in, again in my book to to different um, areas of that you if you really feel you want to get further protection, which ones use. There's you got to also be careful. These little stick-on things that you stick on your phone that they claim um, protects you, and people say they feel better. The problem with some of these devices like that, um, these little stick-on things is they may shift the harmful energy from one area of the body um, so you'll feel better, but lo and behold, three months or six months later, you'll feel a health problem in another area of the body because it's not blocking it. It's just moving it, it from the area that, it was, that the phone was, was first impacting you. So you got to be careful okay. about those kinds. You want something that physically blocks it rather than a device that supposedly changes that. Of course, they're going to hate me for saying this, but there's people who mm -hmm. can test, test this and can see the impacts of where that radiation is going with those little stick-on devices. What do, you, what do you think is probably the most difficult type of sleep problem to have, and what can you do about it? Sleep apnea very dangerous because uh, mm -hmm. that's a real serious problem. And and most of that is caused by being overweight. So why are we overweight? Well, that's a huge subject, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, look how contaminated our food is. Look, there's, there's so much wrong with our food system in general. It's not designed to protect people. It's designed to make them sicker, <laughs> our food system. I mean, that they can allow massive amounts of pesticides, that they can allow genetic engineering of our foods that impact at the cellular level in, in our body. Um, there's, it's no wonder we're suffering terribly. And the manufacturing of our food, where it's so denatured, where so much of our carbohydrates are, are, are of such poor quality, and they're addictive. And, of course, they put addictive substances into our snack food to make us buy more. And so people find cool. it really hard to stop this. I mean, it's, it's just endless. I could talk about food for hours. Oh, no, no, I know. Yeah, definitely. But, I mean, I'm not saying forget about food. Of course, it's the number one yeah. modulator of it. But if 
you can't have an effect on someone's food, what can you do to ease or maybe, you know, help them stop their sleep apnea? What can they do? Well, again, the, the pillow is really important and the breathing is really important. The type of pillow will impact how you're breathing and, and can help or mitigate triggering the sleep apnea. Um, breathing through the nose is so important. Um, sleeping on your side is better than on your back. So people can tape a, uh, a tennis ball to the, to the inside of their nightshirt. So if they're lying on their back, it's going to force them to get onto their side. Um, so because oh, they roll over the tennis ball and go, and then move back to their side. Yeah, it's going to, oh, okay, yep, I don't, that's not comfortable. I better get out of here. <laughs> but uh, the biggest thing for sleep apnea is, of course, is, is lack of exercise, lack of proper diet. Um, uh, stress, of course, is a huge one. So many people can find big benefits from just simple breathing in and out through your nose. Pay attention to your breath. Just watch your stomach rise and fall as you're breathing. Um, there's many simple tricks. You can count backwards. Here's a good one. You can count backwards from 300 by threes. You know, that keeps your focus away from your mind worrying about things. And eventually, you know, you get down to 197, 194, 191. You know, eventually you're going to fall asleep. Okay. We'll read the new bill that's going to be passed in Congress. Bad what, joke. Which, yeah, that'll probably put you to sleep too. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, but in my book, so the beauty of my book, as I say, is I'm not trying to point out one particular area that's going to be the key for you. As I say, so many sleep ex- experts are experts in certain areas, but they'll never talk and they'll never ask, well, what kind of, what kind of bedding do you, do you have? You know, what do you do about light? I mean, most, peop- most doctors today, I would hope, would know about the effect of light and, and when you go to bed, you know, there's a reason that the old wives' tale, uh, you know, go to bed early and get up, or go to bed early, get up early. Again, go early to bed, early to rise, makes a man happy, yeah. healthy, and wise or something. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> it's because of, of light again. And hmm. another one is any hour before, before midnight of sleep is worth two hours afterwards. So in other words, you, get, you go to bed at 10 o'clock. Instead of 12 o'clock, those two hours of sleep from 10 to midnight are worth four hours of sleep after midnight in terms of the quality yeah. and the effect it's having on your, your health. So these are, you know, old wives' tales, but there's some truth to it. I mean, night workers suffer more, more cancers than day workers. So why is that? Well, they're not sleeping according to the natural biorhythms of, of nature. Uh, there's things you can yeah. do like yeah. Touch that in my book, how to manage that if you're a night worker, how to use red light and blue light um, to help you with um, your night work. So you, could, you, you can use blue light before your night shift begins to energize you. And during the night, you want to cover your screen. You want your screens to have flux on them. You want all your devices to be reduced with that. You, want, you can wear your blue blocking glasses. That will have a big impact on your, on your health. Um, if you're a night worker. So, you know, I touch on so many aspects of of sleep for you in the book that you're going to find something that's going to help you. One of our biggest sellers back in our day were these wool mattress pads manufactured um, 
most of the time back then were in Australia and New Zealand, where you get 100% wool mattress pads, and on top of that you put your cotton sheets and so on. But wool is a perfect fiber for absorbing moisture, um, for being cooler in the summer and warmer in the winter. You know, they they used mm. to put newborn babies on a sheepskin because it would help soothe them and make them fall asleep easier. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, you know, just... Well, very good. Well, we, we covered a lot of stuff. Um, we are out of time, you know, unfortunately, but uh, I, I had to turn on the red light to signal that, you know, joke. But, right. Uh, yeah, but, I could go on the, forever, but the point is... No, this is good. We I think we gave listeners some good resources, but now they it sounds like your book has a ton more. So... Yeah. Um, mention the name of your book again, and where can they get it? Amazon, Kindle, you know, let's give them some resources. You can get it on Amazon. That's the, yeah, directly from Amazon is, is the easiest one. Okay. Sleep secrets. And, um, How to fall asleep fast, beat fatigue and insomnia, and get a great night's sleep. Okay. Sleep secrets, Ronald, and bizarre. All right, Ronald. Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast, and uh, it's been good talking to you. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Thanks so much. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.